morning, everyone. Good to be together this morning. Um, uh, thanks, Rhiannon, for reading, and uh, Adele, thank you. Well, if you want to have your Bible open there, Ephesians chapter, uh, Ephesians sort of 3 and 4 is, give or take, roughly the spot you should have your Bible open. We're going to do a bit of Bible flicking. We're starting a new series uh, today, just a four-week series, on spiritual constants. In other words, these are four, I've just chosen four practices. It's not a completely... Um, uh, uh, finished list or anything like that, but four practices that people who follow Jesus ought to be doing uh, constantly. So, in other words, they're committed to them, they are regular, they love these things. If you follow Jesus, you love doing these things, you prioritise them. They're things that should be just ticking over, yeah, a bit like a metronome, you know, in our lives, just ticking over. These are things we love doing, we're committed to, week in, week out, Day in, day out, they're regular parts of our lives. So um, there are four, church, reading the Bible, prayer and singing. How about that? So I'm looking forward to preaching on that in a few weeks' time. Um, I'm not going to make you sing during a sermon. You won't do any solos or anything like that. But the Bible says a lot about the importance of singing as a part of the group of Christian believers being together. All right, well, to get us a little bit in the... um, in the mood, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get us to uh, watch a little video. Thank you, Rod. And the very same goes for Ezekiel, which brings us back to our starting point, the nine tenets of constancy. Uh. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I seem to have lost my place, so I'll start over. Oh, for the love of crumb cake. Our sermon today is on constancy, inasmuch as the over by dint of our application of these principles, we can learn instances of constancy. Sweet constancy. Who cares? This is the best part of the week. It's the longest possible time before my church. Church shouldn't be a chore. It should help you in your daily life. It should, but it doesn't. Now, who's going with Daddy to the dump? There's some classic lines there, and some people think, what? Some people are a bit, uh, well, the the Simpsons can be a, a polarizing effect on some people, but the reality is a lot of people think church is like that. And it's not a bad thing for us to say, wow, we don't want church to be like that, do we? And I don't have a bird or a, what was the other buttons on his lectern there that I can press? So if you fall asleep, all I can do is make a noise, I don't know. Um, Well, what was your attitude this morning to church as you got yourself ready? Uh, It might have been, ah, we're running late. Um, But what, (laughs) I'm not looking at anyone, don't worry. Uh, Um, what was your attitude? Is you got your clothes on, you had your shower, you got sort of sorted out, had your breakfast, you knew your church was coming. What, how were you thinking about that? Um, you see, attitudes are important, aren't they? And attitudes, and there are consequences to our attitudes. So take physical exercise, for example. A good attitude or a bad attitude will affect the body. There are consequences to being a couch potato. You end up looking like a potato, maybe, I don't know. Uh, What if your thought 
What if you thought about church in this way? What if you thought, as you were getting ready this morning, what if you thought church was a chore uh, and your favourite part of church is coming home from it? Um, What if you thought church was like that? Or it's the best time of the week coming home from church because, to quote Lisa, it's the longest possible time before more church. Uh, What if that was it? That's going to have some consequences, won't it, about your attitude to church? What if you thought church was not necessary? Oh, again, that, if you had that attitude, and of course none of us do, but if you had that attitude, well then it's going to have consequences to your thinking and practice to do with meeting together as God's people. If you thought church was an opportunity to be served, in other words, you're a consumer. It's like you've come to a concert, I don't know. Uh, and that's your thinking about church, you're coming to consume that's going to have some consequences about how you think about church. But what if this was your attitude to gathering together? The church is a gift, that it's essentially good. Now, I'm not talking about the sermon being a cracking, great sermon or the singing being fantastic. No, no, what we're doing here today, what we've decided to do this morning is essentially good. What if you had that attitude? Well, that's going to have consequences about what you do week in, week out, isn't it? Uh, What if you thought the church matters and it is necessary for me and for others? What if you thought church was an opportunity to serve and love and build up? How will that affect your attitude to gathering together? What might the consequences be of such an attitude? I think they're good questions and and they're worth thinking through as some of you are doing right now, which is good. I want to suggest today, I guess I put in my notes here a new way of thinking about church, but it's not very new at all. Uh, it ought to be, it's probably the, the way we've thought about church from the, the very beginning when the Christians started to get, gathering together. But church is something we get to do. If you want to walk out with something today, I want you to walk out with that. Church is something we get to do. Now, going to church will not save you. It will not make you right with God. But it is a gift and it is good. And so we'll see, uh, we'll see that it matters as well. But first and foremost, we're going to look at what it is and what's it for, and that'll help us to understand our attitude to gathering together and why it's so important. In your, um, in your bulletins, you'll see a little outline there, which is uh, worth getting open in front of you, and having Ephesians open would be the best book to get open, and then there'll be some Bible flicking, um, as we'll do, as it's a bit of a topical series today. Okay. How about I pray for us and then we'll get stuck into these questions. We're going to spend most of our time on what church is for. Father, thank you for church. Thank you that we can gather together this morning. We pray, Lord, as we open your word and you teach us and you speak to us, that we would put your words into practice, that we'd be thankful and that we would, um, uh, yeah, just uh, have a good time as we um, think about this. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, what what is it? Well, it's... uh, the, the Greek word that uh, is used when Christians gathering together is described is ecclesia. Some people pronounce it ecclesia. Um, they're wrong. No, no, it's not. No, no. <laughs> uh, it can be pronounced lots of ways. It's not, it's a, not a said, spoken language anymore. Um, it's a written language. Uh, that's uh, old, uh, New Testament Greek. But in the Bible, um, church is a group of people. So it's a gathering of people. A gathering of people, a gathering of God's people. Ecclesia just means gathering. 
So in the context of what we read in the New Testament, it's a gathering of believers. So here's a good definition up on the screen there. It's a group of people meeting with Jesus in the presence of one another and meeting with one another in the presence of Jesus. So it's not a building. Church is not a building. It's not a tradition. It's not defined by the minister. It's not defined uh, by the, the denomination. No, no. Church is people. It's people meeting together. And it's people meeting together with Jesus. And that's what Jesus' promises us. We'll look up a passage in a few moments about this. But it's a group of people meeting with Jesus in the presence of one another and meeting with one another in the presence of Jesus. You see that? Now, what's church for then? What's it for? Well, you can see in your outline, I've got three uh, answers there. And we'll, we'll go through these one at a time. And we'll see why, I hope, church ought to be something that just keeps ticking over in our lives. Week in, week out, it's something we prioritise and something we make constant. So here's the first one, uh, first reason, or first, sorry, first answer of what is church for. It's a testimony to the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And we see this particularly in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, 10, 11 says... His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's unpack this a little bit. So Christians gathering together in the name of Christ is an amazing testimony to God's grace and power. As we gather together, our purpose is to make known uh, the wisdom of God in Jesus. The, this gathering, the gathering, points us and others to the gracious work of God in our lives. Believers gathering together because God worked in us to believe. It's because of the gospel that we gather together. It's because of the cross of Christ that we're here today. Now, look around you for a minute. If you look around you, you you'll see people and they're just like you. If they're followers of Jesus as well, they're like you. They are here because of the gospel, because of God's work in their lives. Now, just think about that for a minute. They're here because God has brought them here. God has brought them to himself. Isn't that amazing? I just find that incredible. God has brought us here by his gospel. We're all here because of that. Uh, because of the cross of Christ. Isn't that incredible? So the church, therefore, is a testimonial to the work of God. The church tells, we tell as a body of Christ, we tell of God's goodness. That's what we do. Do you know what an online testimonial is? Uh, a testimonial used to be someone doing what I'm doing in some way, standing up and talking about something or someone. Uh, an online testimony is a little bit different. You can uh, click on a box and get testimonials of a, of a product or a, or a person or something like that. Um, and generally, it's to review a product online these days. Might have, might, it might be a, a person, um, a service or something like that. So Amazon or eBay, you want to know about a product, you scroll down to the testimonials. Uh, and they will testify to the worth of the product how good it is. Now, I must admit, I got a little distracted with this analogy 
and I did find come across a website, which um, and not didn't take me very long. Don't worry, I didn't spend all week doing it. Um, but there's a fun one where where the whole website is dedicated to funny online testimonials that have gone viral. Well, let me give you an example. So Amazon, true story, are selling a book called How to Avoid Huge Ships. How to Avoid Huge Ships. Useful, don't you think? So it's a real book, a couple hundred pages long, and here's a sentence or two from the review. I think I've got it up here as well. There we go. As a father of two teenagers, I found this book invaluable. I'm sure other parents can emphasise when I say I shudder at the thought of, incre- of the increasing presence of huge ships in the lives of my children. I certainly remember the strain I caused so long ago for my own parents when I began experimenting with huge ships. This, this book helped me approach the subject of huge ships with my kids in an honest and non-judgmental way. <laughs> very, very useful testimonial. Now, perhaps a hint of sarcasm? I'm not quite sure. Um, See, a testimonial, a good one, (laughs) a testimonial points to the goodness of the product. And you'll see them all through Amazon, eBay and so on, uh, even on YouTube as they um, speak of the goodness, they speak to the goodness of of the band playing, whatever it might be. See, friends, the church, the church is a testimonial to God's goodness. That's what we are. We are a testimonial to the goodness of God because he's worked in our lives and brought us here today and brought us to Jesus. So as we gather together, we are reminded of the work of God, his love and his grace. Isn't that just good? Isn't that just fantastic? See, as we gather together, we testify in our speaking, our doing, our sharing how good God is. And what we do, therefore, and how we do it is a testimony to the power of God. So how we sing, that's a testimony to the power of God in our lives, that it's real, that God's real, that, that how we read and listen to the sermons, which you're all doing very well right now, that's a testimony to God's, um, God's work in our lives, how we talk and pray and so on. Okay, let's look at the second purpose of church. Here it is. The second purpose of church uh, for fellowship in Christ. Fellowship is one of those sort of Christianized, religious-y type words that um, we have to be careful how we define it. All right, so let me try to do that. See, fellowship is about Christians getting together because we belong together. It's belonging together, the Bible says, that we can share. So we share the same spirit. Now, if we had time, we'd, we'd look up 1 Corinthians 5, 3 to 5. And Paul is actually, in the context, he, he's, he's uh, disciplining um, uh, a member of the church at Corinth. Um, and we won't go into those details. But Jesus actually, Paul actually says that Jesus is with us as we meet, very clearly, by his spirit as we meet. And Jesus makes the same promise to his disciples, by his spirit as we meet. So we have the same spirit, the same Lord, the same hope, a family, you could say, God's family. That's what fellowship is. Who are God's family who are invited to call God Father by Jesus, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's more than friendship. Friendship's important, very important, but this is fellowship in Christ. Uh, the heart of fellowship is what we share together. The same spirit, the same Lord, the same hope. We share Christ together. He's the vine that we're attached to. And we're the branches, as Jesus says in John 15. So the church gathering then is practicing uh, this fellowship in Christ. 
When we gather together, we practice this fellowship in Christ. We don't gather together to achieve something. We're not like the local uh, council group who meets together to achieve. We're, we're, just, we're just being together. We're being together with our Lord by His Spirit to share in what binds us together, to hear God's Word together, responding together in praise, to pray together, to sing, give thanks. Now, Colossians 3 describes what this fellowship looks like. What does fellowship in Christ look like in practice as we gather together? Well, let's have a look. It's, um, it's what belonging together looks like, and I tell you, it's good. So it's up there again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So that's what it looks like. That's what that belonging, that fellowship in Christ looks like as we gather together. There's our second purpose for church. Uh, the first one there is a testimony to the grace of God. The second one is the, for fellowship in Christ. And there's a bunch of other passages there I've put in your outline. You can look up later if you like. But let's look at this third one. The third one is to build towards maturity in Christ. Uh, a couple passages there we'll jump around and have a look at. We are all works in progress. We are. We're all works in progress. None of us are the finished product. You know the story about um, uh, Anthony Gaudi's uh, cathedral in Barcelona? Uh, Michelle told me about it during the week and I had a little bit of a, a read up. It is, it's, it's a pretty cool story and it's an amazing building. Anyone seen this? Yes, few people have. Incredible? Am I, am I, yeah, just amazing. It is simply stunning. Um, I haven't seen it. I'd love to see it. Uh, that, that's, there's some pictures of it. If you can have it, 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 incredible building. But it's not complete. It's not done. In fact, Gaudi, the architect, designer, so on, he died in 1930. So builders, architects, designers are still working on it. Just like us, it's a work in progress. And as you look at this beautiful building, and I think this is right, maybe someone more technical could tell me, but apparently it has very, very few straight lines. Very, in other words, it's a really complicated building. Uh, I couldn't really get a decent... I think the, the, the top left photo is probably the best one. But it's a very complicated and beautiful building. We're a bit complicated, aren't we? <laughs> there aren't too many straight lines with us. Uh, we're a little complicated and we are a work in progress. And by the goodness of God, God has given us church to help us build, uh, to build us, shape us and mould us to be more like Jesus. That's the role of church. That's the purpose of church. That by His Spirit, God works on us through His church. So, Ephesians 5, uh, 4, 11 to 13. This is just a bit after what we read earlier today. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and uh, teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So God has given us each other for our help and encouragement. Church then is about brothers and sisters in Christ using their gifts to build each other up, using our gifts and abilities to serve the body of Christ. But, friends, 
You can't serve if you're not here. You can't be served if you're not here. You might respond to that and say, well, hold on, I serve my friends when I meet up with them for a coffee or a meal or um, when we pray together. But that might be right. But let me challenge you and push back a little bit on that attitude. Who will serve those who are hard to love? Uh, who, who, who have few friends? Who will serve those who are lonely? If we had that attitude about friends meeting together. If church is just about meeting with my friends, even if it's good things that you're doing, who will love the hard to love? Who will love the outcasts? Who will love the lonely who come? If that's our attitude to church. Perhaps, you've, um, perhaps you have the blessing of working at a Christian workplace. I know a few of us do. Can I say be very careful about substituting that for church? I want to give you two reasons. First is the Christian workplace is very different to what's been described in the Bible that we've seen today, uh, what Christians ought to be committed to. And we'll see even more so in Hebrews 10 in a moment. The purpose of your gatherings at your workplace are not the same. Uh, as we've been reading. They might be to educate and serve the community, provide for the poor and so on. But the heart of this gathering, as we've seen already, is service. We'll see that again in a moment as well. Service in the context of God's word being taught. That's probably the first reason. There's another reason why we should hesitate and think very carefully about saying our Christian workplace is church. And it seems pretty obvious, maybe we forget it. You're paid to be there. (laughs) Uh, Would you work in a Christian workplace for free? My guess is you probably wouldn't because you need an income, that's okay. We We would never ask, we would never want our Christian gatherings on Sunday or Friday night at ribs and so on or our community groups, our small group Bible studies to be defined by money, would we? And that, of course, is what a workplace is defined by. It's our job. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But careful not to substitute it for church. We're going to have a Q&A at the end today, and you might want to ask a question about that, um, and that will be great. Let's, um, let's move on. You see, what we've seen is that all believers are involved with this building work. All of us are capable of building up others to be more like Jesus, encouraging comforting and urging others to keep following Jesus. Now, the book of Hebrews gives a number of warnings. The whole book, I think there's about eight warnings not to fall away. That's part of the book of Hebrews' purpose. In the context of the passage we read in chapter 10, uh, that's that's the context. If you want to keep following Jesus, if you want to make it to the end, if you want to not fall away and keep following Jesus and finish the race, using an analogy Paul uses, then keep encouraging one another as you keep meeting together. Don't give up on it. So I've got the words up, the the, the passage up on the screen there. Uh, Don't give up on it because church is the fuel to keep you going and keep keeping others going. So let's, let's read it again. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Remember, this is in the context of helping people not fall away, helping people to keep going as followers of Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews says, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. But church is not about individuals seeking our own spiritual benefit. It's not about that. Let's not get caught up in it. It is about meeting to encouraging, encourage others to spur them on that attitude's important. So as we do that, that'll help others to keep going and keep following Jesus. Therefore, let me give you some practical advice, all right, for a few minutes here. Therefore, I want, I want to get you to pray about where you sit. There's a funny thing to think about, isn't it? Pray about where you sit. Uh, it's a relevant prayer, I think, very relevant and important prayer. So in other words, sit with someone in church, someone that you can encourage and spur on and serve, for example. There's an idea, isn't it? Pray about where you sit. Now, you don't have to get up now and move. That's okay. You stay where you are. But that's, worth, that's a worthy thing to pray as you prepare for church in the morning. Where am I going to sit today? I'm going to sit next to so-and-so because they need a bit of encouragement. I'm going to sit next to them. I haven't, I'm going to sit next to them. I'll, what time is it? We've got a bit of time. Um, one of the most, <laughs> going off notes, scary. Uh, one of the most encouraging things a friend of mine has, I've seen him do many years ago, actually. I hope I haven't told the story before. His name's Scott. He's a minister now in a church in Sydney. Um, week in, week out, for almost 18 months, Scott sat next to a guy who, um, a young man who had um, some uh, uh, disabilities and found it very hard to learn and uh, was noisy and difficult and he, and he smelt a bit. It wasn't very pretty. Week in, week out, Scott, one of my best mates still today, he sat next to him in church, right down the front. No one likes sitting down the front except the Wallaces. Um, and um, <laughs> thank you, Wallaces. You are a great encouragement. Uh, if it wasn't for you, yeah, no, they're second front. Oh, well, you tried. Um, week in, week out, Scott sat next to him. Now, I think that, that is... I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he prayed about it before he went to church. Who am I going to sit next to? You know what? I'm going to sit next to... Oh, I can't remember this guy's name, actually. Um, but I'm going to sit next to him and I'm going to encourage him and serve him. I'm going to hold the Bible for him because he couldn't do that. He couldn't really f- keep up where the Bible reading was. Little things like that. See, when we gather together, we ought to think about people. Here's a phrase to try to remember. Uh, try to be the ministry-minded pew warmer. Ministry-minded pew warmer. Now, ministry just means service. It's a bit of an outdated word, really. When you see ministry, just think service. I'm the minister, I serve. That's my job. Um, But it's yours too. Ministry-minded pew warmer. So before church, here's some options. In preparation, we've already talked about praying. Why don't you read your Bible before you come to church? Give or take, most of the time you know what we're doing. Um, This this next four weeks is a bit tricky because we're doing a topical series. But then we start Revelation. And so Revelation, you'll know by and large, if we've done chapter 1 the first week, it's not going to be too hard to work out we're doing chapter 2 next week. Okay, and I think you can see it in the bulletin too, can't you? You can actually read ahead and see what we're doing next week. Is that right, Gilly? No, we can't. We might do that. Let's do that, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Um, there's an idea, isn't it? Brainstorming, staff meeting as we go. Um, so, read your Bible. Uh, think about how you can encourage someone else. Uh, before, meet with visitors, newcomers. Don't assume anything. Take the initiative. Uh, listen to them. Don't leave them with no one. Don't introduce them with someone and then walk off and all the best. Uh, no, no. Before the service, arrive early. This is a controversial subject because some of us, no, I, I, I know some of us, <laughs> this is silly, some of, us off, some of us are late for good reasons and that happens. But have in your head, I want to arrive early. Now, why would you arrive early? Why would you do that? I want to tell you because most visitors come early. 
Most visitors come early because they don't want to walk in late because it's embarrassing to walk in late and everyone looks at you. So they come early. There's a number one reason to come early because you can spot a newcomer and say, hey, my name's so-and-so, um, and start chatting away and welcome them to church. So come early. Come early because there could be something to do. There could be something to help, up, help set up. You might find something, walk around and go, oh, that's not there. I need those over there or whatever. You could even ask a warden and say, can I help with something? That's an idea. Uh, come early, um, come with a smile, be friendly. That's before. What about during the service? During the service, uh, let's just call it active listening. In other words, during the sermon, you're, you're listening. You're all doing that very well, which is fantastic. Um, listening along with a sermon, uh, that's a helpful thing to do. It's encouraging for me too, rather than big loud yawns. Um, that's not very encouraging. Um, or, or what we saw in the video before. Uh, but uh, help others. There might be some people who struggle to keep up with their Bibles open. Maybe you can help them with that. Maybe it's a new person who doesn't know where to look in the Bible and the preacher's jumping from this, that and the other and it's getting really annoying, but you can keep up. So help that person do that. Uh, sing loud. Sing up. Uh, we have a great God who's called us together in Jesus. Why wouldn't we sing his praises? Uh, again, um, uh, be friendly during the service. Uh, what about after the service? Oh, discuss God's word. Have a gospel conversation. Talk about it. Was Graham on the money there or he was a bit off? I don't know. Critique the sermon. Go nuts. All right? Show them your notes. Uh, that sort of thing. Was there something that struck you that you really need to share with someone? Uh, that, that's, uh, you, know, you might come out and say, I really like that Graham said um, church is what we get to do. Because too often we think about it as just being what we have to do. No, no, it's what we get to do. That's a good conversation for today, isn't it? Pray with people after the service. Look for newcomers. Newcomers move fast. So make sure, don't overwhelm them. Don't overwhelm them with love. Um, sometimes that can be really weird. Uh, but be natural. Um, stay late. Just like you've come early, you stay late. Uh, there might be things to pack up. You might want to set up the chairs for the evening service. Um, the evening service that doesn't meet in the school holidays. So last time I said that, it was actually going to be school holidays. And we did it for no reason. I just put the chairs back again. Um, <laughs> There we go. Okay, that, that'll, that'll do there. Um, see, in all what we've been talking about, I think you've caught on to this already, in God's mercy, we are actually becoming more and more Christ-like. We're maturing, we're growing as we do these things. As like him, we deny ourselves for the sake of others. You see that? Turning up for others, sitting for others, welcoming others, listening to others, talking to others, praying with others. It is a great privilege Friends, it's a great privilege to, privilege to meet in this way. It's, it's good. Together, serving one another, growing to be more like Jesus. Uh, maybe think of the, some of the great privileges you have in your life. There's a, there's a number, aren't there? One that we can meet in a comfortable building like this um, and then you don't meet at 8am where it was minus 56 degrees this morning. Um, so uh, it's great, comfortable, it's free, it's, it's really good. That's a great privilege, isn't it? Um, I'm not sure if you're following the World Cup at the moment, but the... I'll just finish with this story. You, you probably noticed this practice, um, this, oh, there's my jury. This practice of um, uh, the, the national teams walk out on the field with a young kid with them. They hold hands and they go out and the young kid stands in front of them. It's usually a local soccer team. Some, what an immense privilege, isn't it? Uh, for a youngster who dreams of being a football star, there's, there would be no greater experience than to be able to do that. Just incredible. Now, here's Ronaldo. That's the, the um, Portuguese goalkeeper, don't know his name. But um, look at this next picture. 
See, during the week, this, this, this happened. Uh, this boy and girl stood in front of um, Portugal's Ronaldo, probably the most famous soccer player on the planet, right? They're, they're, him and um, Messi, I call him Lionel, but it's, it's some other pronunciation. Um, <laughs> uh, Ronaldo, and, and watch these two. How cool is that? You know, that this doesn't, for a little soccer player, what a privilege. Wow. To stand in front of Messi. And, oh, no, what's his name? Ronaldo. Um, <laughs> getting them confused. Messi's got a beard. Um, what an experience to meet someone like that. To meet someone like that, to look up and, wow, to sing the national anthem with him. Uh, just incredible. Friends, this is what Jesus says. This is what the Lord of the universe says. This is what Jesus, our Saviour, says, is that when we gather together, like we're doing now, He is with us by His Spirit, through His Word. When Christians gather together for church, we meet Jesus, the Creator of the universe. We can pray to Him. We can encourage each other and sing to Him. Now that is a privilege and it leaves Ronaldo for dead. I wonder, do you think about church like that? Do you think about church like that? How good it is, what a privilege it is. If you don't, try it. Try it. Make yourself. Try it. Uh, Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, church is something we get to do. We get to hear the word of God and respond together. We get to grow more like Jesus together. We get to pray and sing together. We get to encourage one another. We get to be in this safe spot together. We get to serve and love one another. It's a privilege gathering together. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll see if anyone's got any questions or comments um, and we'll continue our service. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for church. We thank you, Lord, that the, this immense privilege that in the gospel you've called us together. If it wasn't for the cross of Jesus, Lord God, that we would not be together. We wouldn't be here. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that um, uh, we won't take church for granted. There are lots of places in the world where it's illegal to meet like we, le- we meet. So, Lord, it's a great privilege. It's what we get to do. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.